Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Dangerous Prayers. This series will show you how to pray bold prayers. If you're ready to see a spark in your life, pray boldly, pray daringly, pray with fire, and remember God is listening to your dangerous prayers. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning, church. At this time, we're going to release uh, the kids up through grade five uh, to head to their classes. Uh, there's no middle school Sunday school this morning, so if you're in middle school, you're stuck with me. So get ready for this ride. But good morning, church. We want to welcome you to Valleybrook. If you're new here, if you're a guest visiting us for the first or second time, we're just honored that you're here. Uh, we're just we're so excited to spend this morning with you. We're excited to meet you. So thank you for, for coming with us this morning. But just to give you a little uh, insight into kind of the journey that we've been on over the past few weeks, we're in a series right now that God has been using in amazing ways in our church called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, and this series has been Sunday morning messages paired with a nightly uh, prayer and worship gathering uh, called the 21 Days of Prayer. And so we actually ended yesterday. We're a week late because we had to cancel church uh, last week due to the crazy snow and the ice. But, uh, but it's been an amazing uh, opportunity to see God working and moving in our midst, you know, through Sunday mornings, but also honestly through the, the nightly gatherings. We've had, you know, dozens of people each night come out and, and worship together and pray together and just kind of dive deeper into these weeks of dangerous prayers. Um, and so, you know, week one, a couple weeks ago, we started by, by praying the dangerous prayer, search me, God. Search me, God. And we, we prayed over the week, you know, God, search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And throughout that whole week, we pray, God, just search me. It was this introspective prayer that led to a lot of awesome breakthrough, you know, here at church. And then the following week, we dove into, a, I think, a little bit more of a dangerous prayer. And for me, an emotional prayer called Break Me. Break me, God. Break me of anything that keeps me but from being fully surrendered to you. Break me of me so you can do a mighty work in my life and through my life. Break me. And especially last week, or it was actually two weeks ago, but you know, the last week of this series, you know, I challenged you at the end of the week. I said, hey, or the end of the Sunday morning, hey, if this is you, if you want God to break you, my challenge is be bold and, and write, God, break me on a prayer card and then write of something in your life that you want God to break off your life. And let me tell you, I, I read over those, each one of them, you know, this week and past week and, and prayed over each one of them. I, I literally put my hand on each one, you know, by name and, and so did our prayer team. And I know Pastor Clark and our staff and, and I was humbled to see the trust in the prayers of break me. You know, God, break me of my addiction, break me of my pride, break me of my selfishness. You know, all of these, these different break me prayers, these vulnerable prayers, and we saw God, you know, heal people. And we saw God work through that, you know, over the week. And it was an amazing thing. So the last two weeks of this series have led up to this last prayer, which we're going to coin this week. It's going to be called the prayer of availability. The prayer of availability. Send me. Send me. So we have search me, break me. And this week we're diving into the prayer of availability. The prayer, send me, God. You know, but this prayer, I don't think, is a very natural prayer for us to pray. So break me isn't very natural either. And search me might not be natural as well. But I think, most of all, this is one of the more unnatural prayers. And this is how I know this. 
you know, each week I have the opportunity and the blessing and the honor with our staff and with our elder board uh, to pray over the prayer requests that come in on the prayer cards and, and online. You know, we always get up here and we say, hey, in the seat back pocket, there's a welcome card on the back. There's prayer requests and write them and we'll pray. And we do. And so we have the honor of every week sitting around our conference room table and praying for you by name. You know, God, pray for this person, pray for this family, all these things. But I've seen a trend in these prayers. Now, this isn't a bad thing. I don't want you to hear this the wrong way. But as we prayed over these prayers, I see a trend that's happening. You know, they're, they're more for us and the people around us. So let me explain what that means. I see prayers all the time like this. You know, God, would you give me wisdom and what choice to make? That's an important, valid prayer that God wants to hear. You know, God, would you heal my mom of cancer? Like, what a powerful prayer. You know, Lisa, my wife Lisa and I, we're praying one of these. God, would you help us find the perfect house? You know, we're out house hunting, and many of you that have, you know, bought or, or owned houses, you know that that can be a stressful thing. So my prayer this week is, God, not can you, I find the perfect house, but God, help me not to explode from the stress of looking for the perfect house. You know, some of it, you know, would you give me strength through this tough week that I've had at work? Or, God, would you give me wisdom to what college you want me to go to or to pursue in my future? God, would you help me with my marriage? Would you comfort my friend who is going through a hard loss? See, these are prayers we should pray. So please, again, don't get me wrong. We should be praying these prayers. They're important to the heart of God. But instead of just praying these prayers... God, would you do this for me? God, would you intercede on behalf of my friend or my family? A dangerous prayer to pray and to add in to that prayer language is this. God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? Because that's not as natural. And we rarely see that. You just, God, give me wisdom. All the, again, it's good stuff. But there's this dangerous prayer. God, what can I do for you? God, here I am. God, I'm available. <laughs> I'm your servant. God, what can I do for you? This is the prayer of availability. Send me. You know, the thing is, is that when you pray this prayer, I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. When you pray this prayer, God could lead you in many different ways. Many of which you might have never thought of, considered, or in my case a lot, because I'm pretty stubborn, many that I've just been flat out ignoring. You know, maybe God this morning, if you decide to be bold and pray that prayer, God, send me, here I am, send me, maybe he'll reveal a new calling for your life. You know, maybe he'll lead you to stay somewhere when you thought that you were supposed to go, or maybe he'll call you to go when you thought you were supposed to stay. You know, maybe he'll lead you to step up and serve at a higher capacity here at church. Maybe he'll lead you to, to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and, and maybe there's an upgrade down the line. Maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> maybe he'll lead you to a different job. Maybe he'll lead you to a different vocation. You know, maybe he might call you to give in a radical way and be radically generous in a way that you would have never considered before. Maybe he might want you to be a dog person instead of a cat person. The greatest prayer of all, maybe he might make you love country music because we all know that doesn't happen naturally. That's a move of God that has to make you like country music. Just kidding. I'm sorry. All you Heartland people are upset right now. It's okay. But when you say, listen, church, I, I, now I feel like I have to apologize. I feel like that was a dig at Heartland. I'm sorry, I love Heartland. You know I'm tr it's true, but I love Heartland. But when you say you are available to God, don't miss this though. When you say you are available to God, it can be dangerous. 
it can put you out of your comfort zone. And we're gonna learn to pray that today. So why don't we start by praying. Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you just that we can be here in your presence with one another. And Father, we ask that you would challenge us this morning. Father, help us not to shut off from challenging words, but instead we would dive into your word and hear what you have in store for us, no matter the cost. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our ears to hear your word this morning. Speak through me. Speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So all throughout scripture, we see this cool thing happening with, with God interacting with his people. And we see God calling his people to do amazing things. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see God calling his people. And what that means, what the call means is basically he's leading them to do something, to go somewhere, to speak something, you know, or to, to basically work on his behalf. He calls them and uses those men and women to do his will. And there are many different responses that we see. We see a lot of different calls and different actions that God is, is asking of, of these men and women in Scripture. But we also see a lot of different responses to the call that God puts on their lives. And so this morning, I want to look at three responses to God's call that will lead us. My hope is and my prayer is that will lead us towards praying this dangerous prayer, send me. So three responses to God's call this morning. Let's follow along. First, there was Jonah. And Jonah responded to God's call like this. Jonah, here I am, I'm not going. Here I am, I'm not going. Some of you, you're like, right away, the Lord has just punched you in the stomach. You're like, oh no, he's speaking to me. But really, here I am, I'm not going. Jonah 1, 1 through 3 says this. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He said, here I am. I'm not going. There's a lot of context to this that we're actually going to dive in in a few weeks. We have a series uh, on Jonah coming up. We're really excited about it. But basically God, in the simplest form, God is speaking to Jonah. He's calling him to do somewhere, specifically to go and speak something that was very, actually very difficult and dangerous, like literally dangerous. And Jonah says, I'm not going. And he ran from the Lord. But I think that some of us, all of us can relate to this this morning. I wonder how many of us this morning have sensed God calling us, leading us, and had a similar experience to this where you felt God prompting you, but in one way or another you said, I'm not going. You know, for me, this shows itself in a lot of different ways. You know, from, you know, there's, there's been many instances, you know, and I'm very guilty of this, but many instances where, you know, I was taught that if you see somebody on the side of the road, I don't care if it's a, a man or a woman, if you see somebody and they need help on the side of the road, flat tire or whatever, you always stop and, and you help, right? Like that's, I, that's how I was raised. But sometimes life gets in the way. You get so busy, I'm late to a meeting or I'm late to, you know, something or other, or I'm late to work or I got to pick up the kids or all these things that we ignore those situations. And there's been a couple times actually in my life recently where I've seen somebody that needs help and I'm like, oh, you know what? Somebody else will grab it. I'm just, I'm going to ignore this because I don't have time for that right now. You know, or there's a lot of times I think, especially recently in our culture, you know, Facebook and social media, you know, some of you will immediately roll your eyes because it's, it's a blessing, but it's also can be a, a big curse in our society. But one thing that social media does is people can express their needs pretty openly. And there's been so many times where I've seen somebody post about a need or a prayer need or a financial need. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, oh, they don't need that. Or, oh, you know, and, and, and I really genuinely feel the Lord like, hey, pay attention to that. But I ignore it. 
You know, many times for me, I say, I'm not going for one of three reasons. And this kind of gets down to the core as I kind of unpack this with myself. You know, it's one of these three reasons. Number one is, God, this is inconvenient for me. God, I'm not going. This is inconvenient. This doesn't work in my calendar. This doesn't work in my schedule. I have a lot going on. I'm busy. I have meetings. I got to go to work. I don't want to get fired. We justify, God, this is inconvenient for me. I'm not going. The second is, you know, God, this makes me uncomfortable. God, this makes me nervous. God, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to say that to my neighbor because I'm afraid of what they might say back. You know, God, this, this pushes me out of my comfort zone. I'm not okay with that. I like my bubble. I don't want to get out of my bubble. And the third is this, God, the cost is too great. Maybe it's literal cost. Like, God, I see this person has this need and, and I want to bless them, but that's just going to cost me too much money. The cost is too great. I don't have that kind of resource. The cost is too great. God, I hear you calling me. Here I am, but I'm not going. Jonah, here I am. I'm not going. The second one is this. Moses, here I am. Send someone else. <laughs> here I am. Send someone else. If you're laughing, you know you've done this. Here I am. God, this isn't my calling. Send someone else. Exodus 3.10, God is speaking to Moses. He's literally the God of all the universe is speaking audibly to Moses. And he says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Someone would be better at this than I am. It's basically what he's saying. Somebody else, send my brother Aaron, send somebody else. I'm not a good fit. I'm not good enough. I'm not the right person. Here I am, send someone else. It's so easy for us to look at Moses and be like, well, if God was speaking to me, like I would totally go. But, but really, we get this situation in our lives in so many different ways. It's so easy. Listen, church, it's so easy for us to fall into this trap. I'm not going to give. They should give. They have more money. Have you seen their house? Have you seen their cars? They have plenty of extra. Let them give. I'll do something different. How about this? I'm not going to go. They should go. He's retired. He has all this time on his hands. Or, you know, I'm so busy with the responsibilities, the kids, the jobs, the commitment. I don't have time for that. But look at all the free time they have. Let them go. Or I can't do that. This is probably where Moses was. I can't do I'm not educated. I can't tell my friend about Jesus. I don't have the Bible memorized. That's for, the, for Pastor Clark and the professional Christians who went to Bible school. I don't know. What if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? I don't have enough experience, but they, they're the complete package. Send them. They're smarter. They're quick. Send them. Here I am, God. Send someone else. So we have Jonah. Here I am, God. I'm not going. Moses. Here I am, God. Send somebody else. And the third response is the one that we're going to camp on for a bit. And it's, it's a response by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. See, Isaiah prays a very dangerous prayer. And this, church, is a prayer that I'm going to call each one of us this morning to begin to think about praying. This is the prayer that I'm going to challenge us to be bold enough to consider praying. Isaiah 6, 8 says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? So the Lord is literally speaking to Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He's making a call, kind of this ask. Now I want you to say, this doesn't have his response yet. Notice what Isaiah said as a prayer response to God. I want you to notice what he says, but before we go into what he says, I want you to notice what he doesn't say. 
He doesn't say, where am I going? <laughs> you know, what's the cost of living there? He doesn't say, you know, what's the job description? Will this be a good fit for my, you know, my education and my experience? He doesn't say, you know, how much will this cost me? What's the pay range? He doesn't say, is this a safe area? Are there health benefits? <laughs> you know, for me, Lisa and I, as I told you before, we're looking for a house. He doesn't ask the question that everybody in the Farmington Valley always asks, what's the mill rate? See, I didn't know what a mill rate was before we went to go buy a house. And a mill rate is the scariest number I've ever like, seen in my entire life. What's the mill rate? What are the taxes going to be? Can we afford for my wife? It would be, you know, is there a Chick-fil-A within driving distance? He doesn't ask any of these questions. Now, besides maybe the last one, these are good questions. You know, if you're looking to, to go to a new job, you know, hey, can I afford to go there? Like, hey, well, is it a good fit? Oh, those are all good questions. But he doesn't ask them. Instead, before knowing any of the details, he committed. And he said this. He said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am. Send me. This is a dangerous prayer he prayed. And this is, again, the prayer that I want all of us to pray this morning. I want to encourage you this week. You know, this is something that the Lord challenged me, not in the context of this message, but a while ago, to begin to pray a prayer every morning. I try to do it every morning. Some mornings I'm a little bit more cranky and out of it than others, depending on how the kids slept the night before. But I try to pray this prayer of availability, the send me availability prayer every morning. And for me, it looks like this. It says, you know, God, use me today how you want to. You know, help me to love the way that you love. You know, let me be your hands and your feet. And then the end of my prayer is always this. All I am is yours. And that kind of is like the blanket statement at the end. All I am is yours. So essentially, every morning what I try to pray, what I try to pray is essentially, here I am, send me. So I want to dare you this morning, church. I want to dare you to pray a similar prayer. Maybe for you it's, here I am, God. I'm, I'm available. Here I am, God. Listen, this, this is cool. You have permission to interrupt me. You have permission to interrupt my plans. You have permission to mess up whatever I thought was going to happen to do your will, whether I like it or not. You have permission to interrupt me. God, if you want me to go, I'll go. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to speak, I'll speak. If you want me to be quiet and pray, then I'll be quiet and pray. If you want me to give some time or some money, then I'll do it. Whatever it is, whatever you want, here I am, God. Send me. I'm completely available to you. Not I'm available when it's convenient or when it makes sense in my plan. No, no, God, I'm completely available to you. Whatever you want, here I am, send me. See, this is incredibly dangerous because when you pray that, God will interrupt you. When you pray that and you mean it, God will interrupt you, he will prompt you, and he will move in you. And suddenly, this is the cool part, suddenly you'll recognize that God has a lot more for you to do than you thought before you prayed that prayer. See, if you pray that prayer, you'll suddenly put yourself in alignment with God's true will for you and you'll realize, oh my goodness, look at all these things that I had no idea were before me before I said, God, here I am. So how do we get there, church? Because I think that all of us this morning or probably most of us would say, you know, I, I want to pray that prayer. Like I want, I, I want to, to not be like Moses or, or you know, Jonah. I, I want to be like Isaiah. I want to pray here I am, send me. But 
that's so hard. And I would admit for me daily, that is so hard to pray. But to answer how do we fully surrender to God, I want to look at the verses that led up to Isaiah praying, here I am, send me. Because before this whole you know, interaction that happened where you know, God's saying, who, who will I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. There's a couple events that happened preceding this that are really important to understand Isaiah's mindset. And I think that we can all learn from this morning. You know, there's the three things that we're going to look at will answer this question. What do you need to fully surrender to God? What do you need to fully surrender to God? Number one is this, a genuine experience with the presence of God. A genuine experience with the presence of God. Isaiah 6.1 says this. This is right before, you know, the prayer, here I am, send me. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the presence of God in all his glory and majesty. There was this crazy moment. I would encourage you, go and read Isaiah 6 a couple times this week. It's this bizarre, crazy, epic moment where Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord. And a little later on, and we'll, we'll check it out in a second, but it says, you know, he saw these angelic beings. They, they call them seraphim in the Bible, and they were singing and worshiping God. And there's this moment where these angelic beings are singing, saying, holy, 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 let the whole earth be filled with his glory. What a scene. When Isaiah saw the presence of God, when he experienced the glory of God, listen, it changed who he was. The presence of God and being in the glory of God completely transformed him. Well, why is it that you might not be very available to God? Perhaps, church, it's because you haven't really experienced the presence of God. Or maybe you haven't experienced the presence of God in a long time. You know, about two and a half years ago, I went through a season, it, was, it wasn't a long season, but a season that I call my midlife ministry crisis. You know, I'm 30 years old, so I'm a little young for the, the midlife crisis, but I like to be ahead of the game a little bit, so I'm like, let's just get this over with now. But no, so, I'm, so I, I've been at Valley Brook for about eight years. I've been in ministry since I can remember, you know, right out of high school. I dove in head over heels. I, I love the church. I love ministry. You know, so I, I've been doing this, you know, for, for over 10 years. And, and uh, you know, about two and a half years ago, we just went through a hard season as a church. It was a good season. It was an important season, but it was hard. It was hard on, you know, Pastor Clark, on, on our elder board, on myself and our staff, just because we were working through some stuff. You know, we were trying to feel, figure out some things, and there were some painful interactions that we had with people. You know, hurt people hurt people. And we want to be a church that hurt people attend, but the reality is, is that when we want broken hurt people like myself, like Pastor Clark, to be here, we're going to hurt each other sometimes. And we went through this season and God was so good and he brought us through it and guided us through it. But I gotta be honest, at the end of that season, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, I just was tired. And I literally had this moment where I was talking to my wife and I'm like, man, I just like, I love the church. I'm not questioning my call, but like, this is just a lot of work. This is emotionally taxing and this was hard on our marriage this season. And, you know, this was hard on, on me being a dad and I just, I don't know, this might kill me. And so I went through the season where I'm like, all right, Lord. And so, I, but it, honestly, it was at the age, I was about 28 years old, where I'm like, well, if I'm going to change profession, if I'm going to change vocation, now's the time. You know, because the older I get, the harder it's going to be for me to shift. So maybe I can just do ministry. You know, maybe I can sell something and make a ton of money and give, you know, ministry and do ministry in a different way. Because this is not the only way to do ministry. Trust me, church. 
If anything, this is, you know, one of the many beautiful ways. And so I just had the season where I'm like, all right, Lord. So I started looking at other options. I started talking with friends. And I mean, I just, I'm a charismatic guy. I'm like, what, what are these other options? And I remember I, in the middle of this, my family went to a vacation in, in Florida. We go in early December. Lisa and I and the kids try to go every year um, just to get away before the craziness of the Christmas season. Like Christmas is like D-Day in church world. And so I'm like, we're just going to breathe before we, we run into that. And so we, we went. And, and that was like my goal of this vacation. I'm like, Lord, I just, I'm going to spend time with you actively seeking what you want me to do with my life. And so I remember there was this one afternoon, you know, the, the kids were sleeping. Lisa stayed back at the condo with the kids. And, and I was like, hey, I just, I'm just going to go walk and pray. And uh, God just always spoke to me on the beach. Maybe it's him saying you need to take more vacations. I don't know. I've been trying to convince my wife of that. But, you know, so I, I just, I literally walked on the beach. And my, my whole goal, I'm walking in this area called Treasure Island in St. Peter, a gorgeous area. And my whole goal is, God, you know, what do you want from my life? Like, God, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, like, there was genuine. I just didn't know. But I was confused. And, and, and I started walking and I started worshiping. I put my headphones in. It was a beautiful day. It was like you know, early afternoon. And um, it was just like, it was like, you know, mid-70s, which I'm like dreaming of right now and the weather we're in. And I remember this song came on and it's a song, None But Jesus, which has always been a big song in my heart. It's by Hillsong. And the bridge says this, it says, all my delight is in you, Lord. All my hope, all my strength, all my delight is in you, Lord, forevermore. And then the chorus came in, it says, there is no one else for me, none but Jesus. Crucified to set me free, so I live to bring him praise. In this moment, I just felt the presence of God overwhelm me. And I just started weeping, which as you saw last week is not that difficult, but I started weeping on the beach and there's people around. And I just, so I'm like weeping, I'm crying. I'm like, thank you, Lord. And I just felt this thick presence of the God. I know that sounds weird, but it wasn't in the moment. It just made sense. And I started walking and praising. I'm looking like a crazy person and I'm walking and praising on the beach. Just thank you, Lord. And, and I, the breeze then, you know, and like, there's nothing like a, a breeze on the beach, man. And so the breeze, and I just feel like the wind, and I'm like, man, this is, God is so real to me right now. That's just the best way that I can explain it. And I fell to my knees, I'm like, thank you, God, for this moment, because it was such confirmation of what I think I already knew. The presence of God in that moment brought me into a deeper place of real submission. It confirmed my call. I came back with, with more energy than ever. And you know what? The last two years have been hard. <laughs> you know, it's not an easy thing. But I knew through that moment, just, just literally that one moment, that one two-hour moment in the presence of God, God's like, hey, Dan, this is what I have for you. Some of you might say that's never happened to you. Like, cool, Dan, that's great that you had that moment, but that's never happened to me, so what am I supposed to do? You might want it, but you've never had it. Well, it absolutely can and will happen to you. And why do I know that? Because scripture says it. See, scripture teaches very clearly that when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So I think a lot of us expect it just to happen, but we need to draw near. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Maybe it's just being intentional in your car and turning off everything and just spending some time in prayer listening or intentionally worshiping to Caleb or whatever radio you listen to. Maybe it's praying with your kids at night before they go to bed. You know, I pray with Grace every night. My daughter, she's five. She turned five on Friday, and I pray with her every night before she goes to bed. And it's like an act of worship. To hear her say, oh, God, thank you for Daddy and Mommy and Noah and Emma and Grampy and thank you for the toys I have and thank you for my friends. And 
It's like just hearing her innocent gratitude is a form of worship for me. You know, maybe you drawing near is here on Sunday morning during the worship time, just kind of letting go a little bit more. Instead of just standing there, just, you know, kind of getting through it, it's maybe saying like, yes, it does look like that sometimes. I can see you. I'm normally up there. But you maybe it's like, God, I'm going to engage with you this morning. Like, I'm tired. It's been a long week, but God, I'm here. (laughs) When you draw near to God, church, he promises he'll draw near to you. So why is, it that, why is it that you aren't as available to God as you should be? Maybe it's because you haven't sought after him in a while. Because when you experience his presence like Isaiah did, you will be transformed. So what do you need to do to fully surrender to God? You need a genuine expression of his presence. The second is this, you need a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. See, I would argue that one of the biggest cultural lies that people today embrace is, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Before Christ, I'm a good person. She's a good person. We're good people. We help others. We make good decisions. We're generous. We give to charity. We're good people. Well, church, I need to be honest with you this morning. Without Christ, you are not a good person. Without Christ, you are a horrible, pathetic, evil sinner in the eyes of God. Welcome to Valleybrook. We're glad you're here. But that's the reality that sometimes we sugarcoat this, but the Bible clearly says that without faith in Jesus Christ and entrusting our life and accepting that forgiveness, we are wicked. I'm wicked. You're wicked. We're evil in the eyes of God. There's a theological term that says it's the depravity of man, that we're nothing apart from God. Isaiah saw the goodness of God. He had experienced God's presence, and because he saw the goodness of God, he recognized how bad he truly was. He saw God's righteousness and he recognized his unrighteousness. It says in Isaiah 6, 5, Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah, Isaiah speaking. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, when you see how good God is, you realize immediately your insufficiency. When you see how good God is, you realize how far from good you are, how far from good I am. So what does it take to become fully surrendered? To be able to truly pray, here I am, send me. You need a genuine experience in in God's presence. You need a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. And the third, and in my opinion, most important culminating point is you need a genuine understanding of God's grace. When you understand just how amazing God's grace is, it'll automatically bring you to a point of full surrender. You don't have to try for it, it's just natural. Isaiah 6, 6 says this, then one of the seraphim, those angelic beings we were talking about, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken uh, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What happened? He saw the presence of God. He was ruined. It says he was ruined. He recognized how unclean he was. He recognized how unfit he was. And then with one touch from the goodness of God, with one touch to his lips from the goodness of God, his sins were forgiven and atoned for. This is it, church. With one touch, your lying lips are forgiven. With one touch, your hatred 
It's forgiven. Your sexual sin is forgiven. Your, the time you stole is forgiven. The time you cheated is forgiven. The lie that you told to your boss is forgiven. The ways that you kind of weren't totally honest on your taxes is forgiven. That secret sin that you think nobody else knows is forgiven. As if they never happened. See, the Bible says that God, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and ask for that forgiveness, God separates your sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember them anymore. When you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from any unrighteousness. In the same way, don't miss this church, because this applies today, not just to Isaiah in the Old Testament. In the same way that that coal touching Isaiah's lips removed his sin, the blood of Jesus takes away ours. But we need to understand the core of this is we don't bring anything. Jesus brings everything. When we sense God's presence, when we embrace our sinfulness, when we fall on his grace, the only reasonable response is, God, you can have everything. Here I am. Send me, God. This life is not my own. I want what you want. God, I'm all yours anywhere, anytime. Isaiah 6, 8, whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me. See, Isaiah had this miraculous, ridiculous, crazy interaction with the Lord God Almighty. And his response was, here I am, send me. Now, this wasn't a reluctant, you know, okay, well, Jesus died for my sins. He did that, so it's the least I can do to go serve in children's ministries. No, 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 this wasn't like that. It was, hey, I get to do this. I get to do it. My life is this. I'm so stoked because I get to serve. What an honor. When we are truly available and pray this prayer, our response is out of excitement and gratitude, not obligation. See, that's where the religious spirit creeps in and we say, hey, you gotta do all these things and get yourself right and then you can come to church. But our prayer here at Valleybrook is, hey, here's Jesus. He loves you. Let him radically change your life because when he does, your response is, you're gonna do all those things anyway and more. But instead of us coercing you to do, you'll be doing it because you're stoked about it. But it's important, church, to realize this morning this isn't a one-time decision. This isn't just saying, here I am, send me. All right, cool, we're good, I'm in it. But this is a daily decision because there's a war. The Bible says that there's a war going on inside us. When we say yes to Jesus, our spirits become alive in Christ, but there's a war between uh, you know, a spirit of God and the spirit of flesh. See, the flesh, it's not actual skin, but the flesh is our sinful desires. The flesh is our selfishness. It's for me. This is what I want. This is what would make me feel good. This is what fits into my plan. And the spirit is what God wants. See, the flesh, I, I can't do that. I won't do that. It's about me. I want to be comfortable. I want to be rich. I want to be respected. I want others to see how successful I am. I want it my way. But the spirit is, here I am. Send me. So how do you daily choose to do what our spirit wants and not what our flesh wants? How do we daily choose, daily, to let the spirit of God win over the spirit of flesh and that war going on inside us? Craig Rochelle has this statement that he, he says in, in this teaching, he says, it's simple, what we, feed, what we feed grows, what we starve dies. What we feed grows, what we starve dies. Now that does not apply to how I garden because that does not normally, what works out, there's always weeds everywhere. But He's saying what we feed grows, what we starve dies. If we feed our flesh, it's simple. 
If we feed our flesh, me, 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 it's about me, what I want, what works in my time frame, what makes me feel good, what I, what's, it's all about me. If we feed our flesh, then our flesh will win over. But instead, if we deny our flesh daily, Moment by moment, if we deny our flesh and feed our spirit, if we're in the word, if we're seeking God, if we're in the church, if we are the church, if we're serving here at our community, if we're in the Bible daily, if we're in a life group, man, life groups are called life groups because they give you life. <laughs> if we're in a life group, if we're growing spiritually, if we're using our spiritual gifts, if we're radically generous, then your spirit is growing and your flesh is dying. Because whoever is faithful with little God will trust with much. Why is he trusting some people with much? Well, honestly, it's because they were probably faithful with little. That's why the Apostle Paul, you see this, this hero of the faith in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul always said that, that he you know, dies daily to himself. He doesn't literally physically die daily, but instead he says, God, I'm going to die to my own desires daily, and I want your desires to be mine. Here I am, send me every day, every moment. Because I'm available, God will use me. So, why is it that most Jesus followers don't pray this prayer? You know, maybe because it's truly a dangerous prayer. Like, truly, it will mess up our plans on a regular basis. But I also think that, that Jesus followers sometimes have a genuine fear that if you pray, here I am, send me, God's going to in the next day, like, uproot your family and send you to, you know, a village in Africa and you're gone forever. Like, I think that that's sometimes what, what people think. Like, the only way that we're sent is if we go and we live in Africa. And that's awesome. We've had people from Valley Brook that, you know, the Wukka family, that God called them and they got up, they uprooted their lives and moved their family to Costa Rica. And what an amazing story. But for a lot of us, that might not be our story. He might call you, but he might not. He might call you in a different way. It's more likely, in my opinion, that God will call you to be a missionary at your work. It's more likely, in my opinion, that God will call you to serve the people that live next to you, the people that are around you, the family that you have, the friends that you roll with. Because God wants you to be faithful to serve the people he has already given you. When you do enough little things, don't miss this this morning, when you do enough little things, you might wake up one day and realize that the little things were actually big things because you were faithful to God day after day. I'm gonna invite Will to come on up as we close. If you're faithful to God day after day, one day, I guarantee you, you will find yourself praying, God, wherever you go, wherever you want, I'll go. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. God, whatever you want me to give, I'll give. You know, he may prompt you to serve in the church. He may prompt you to serve in the two and three-year-old class, which in my opinion is more extreme than going to Africa, okay? People, if you've ever worked with two and three-year-olds, like I would rather move to Africa in some ways. Like that's a sacrifice. He might call you to lead a life group. He might call you to do what Jerry and Sherry are doing. And I, I know their life group. Man, they're bringing life to this group of people. He might call you to maybe be, become foster parents or adopt. He might call you to give above your tithe. Maybe you're giving a convenient amount of money to help ministry happen, but God's like, no, 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 I want you to give more because all your finances are mine anyway. You know, maybe God's calling you to be a youth leader in our, 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 our student ministries program. I don't know what God is gonna call you specifically to do, but when you truly start saying yes, you will recognize that he is calling you to do more 
because you are his hands. You are his feet. You are his plan for the world. Here I am. Send me anytime, anywhere. I'm yours. I want to end with this story. It's a a story that Pastor Craig, you know, tells. It's a, I've heard it before, but it's a, a story, you know, of a, a Southern Baptist pastor, and he has this small church, probably a church of about 100 people, and, and every morning, every Sunday morning, you know, af- after church is over, there's only one way in or out of the church, one entrance and exit. And so every Sunday morning, the service is over, he goes to the entrance of the church, and he stands there, and then everybody leaves, and they walk by him, good, you know, good job, pastor, great message, pastor, you know, and they, you know, kind of, it's like a receiving line type of thing. And so this thing happened one week where, you know, he told a message and, or spoke a message and worship was over and he's standing by the door just doing his normal thing and, and a man comes up, a man that he'd never met before. And the man just comes up, hey, pastor, you know, today was awesome. Man, God just rocked me. Like, it was amazing. Hey, so pastor, the, the answer is yes, whatever the question is. The answer is yes. I'm sorry, he says, the answer is yes, what is the question? Pastor, the answer is yes. What is the question? So the pastor, obviously that being like an awkward, you know where I'm going with this, so you have a little bit more of an insight. But like the pastor's like, okay, cool. God bless you, man. Like, have a great week. And you know, he went on his way. The next week, same thing. Hey, pastor, man, it was an awesome morning. Man, God's speaking to me. Hey, pastor, the answer is yes. What's the question? Same thing. Pastor's like, okay, great to meet you. You know, every once in a while, there's just somebody that's just a little weird. So like, okay, cool. Next week, same thing. Hey, pastor, God's just rocking me. Like, oh man, this is such a cool thing. Hey, pastor, the answer is yes, no matter what the question is. So finally the pastor's like, all right, I gotta figure this out because this is weird. So the pastor's like, hey, let's grab lunch this week. I, I love to figure out this whole question answer thing. I don't really get it, but now is not really the time. Let's, let's grab lunch. So they could grab lunch that week. And so, you know, they started talking and this man starts unpacking and he basically says, hey, you know, God has radically changed me. He said, I was an addict and I was so far away from it. And I just, my family walked away from me and all these things. And I was just so broken and hurting and, and all just at my wit's end. And, and I had this encounter with Jesus and he forgave me. And my life was radically changed. And so pastor, I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care what you need, whether it's a, you know, need to pick up someone from the airport at 2 a.m. or mow a lawn or come clean the bathrooms at church or, or do whatever. Pastor, I don't care. Whatever you need, the answer is yes, no matter what the question is. The answer is yes, before I even know what the question is. How do you get to the place where you have the courage to pray this dangerous prayer? The prayer, I don't need to know the details, God. Just God, I need to know that you're calling me. You need to experience his presence. You need to be aware of your sinfulness. You need to, to understand the amazing grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you don't just try to you get to. You get to give your whole life to God. You know, some of us, again, we've said many times, here I am, I'm not going, here I am, send someone else. But we're gonna be different this morning, church. I'm gonna challenge us to be different, that this morning, when we pray, instead of praying those other two things, no matter what we feel God might be calling us to do, we're gonna say, God, no matter what the cost is, no matter what you're asking, here I am, send me. Thank you for your grace and the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your presence, God. You have changed my life. And the only response I know is, God, here I am, send me. What a dangerous, exciting, challenging prayer. Let's pray together with every head bowed and eyes closed. There's two responses that I want to make this morning as we close. The first is this. You know, some of you are are here this morning and you've, 
never said yes to Jesus. You might have been around the church world or maybe this is your first time in this environment, but, but you had a, a realization this morning through the story of Isaiah that you have messed up, that you are sinful, that there are things that in your life that wouldn't honor God. But you've also realized that you've never accepted the forgiveness offered by Jesus. See, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, in the worst moments of our life, God saw us and he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a sinless life, to be beaten and, and broken and accused and to hang upon the cross for you and for me. And that three days later, he rose again triumphantly so that whoever believes in him, whoever accepts that forgiveness, not whoever has their life together and follows all the rules, but whoever simply accepts the free gift of grace will be forgiven. But some of you this morning, you say, I've never done that. I've never fallen into the grace of Jesus. But, but the Holy Spirit, and I, I believe that you're here for a reason this morning, the Holy Spirit is working in your life and he's tugging at your heart. Don't ignore it. But if that's you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning. It's as simple as praying a prayer from your heart. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I love you and, and I accept your forgiveness and I believe in you. Be the Lord of my life. And so if that's you, if you've never prayed to ask Jesus to forgive you and to be the Lord of your life, I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer right now and, and I would ask you to repeat after me. You don't have to repeat out loud, but just in your hearts, I would ask you to repeat after me. If that's you, I'd ask you to pray with me right now. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for all the ways that I've fallen short. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe that you loved me so much that you lived and you died and you rose again for me. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Jesus, I believe that I have been forgiven by your blood. I belong to you. My life is yours. Use my life to bring you glory. Here I am. Send me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.